This is a HeadGum Podcast. The discussions on Robot Congress are for entertainment purposes and to help correct random people on the internet. Any law discussed is general commentary only and not to be taken as legal advice. Specific facts will always alter the case. Have a problem? Hit the gym and lawyer up. Hello and welcome to Robot Congress. I am Ryan Morrison, who retired the name video game attorney for a week and then unretired it because no one knew who I was. I'm joined by Austin Hoffman in New York. Say hello. Hello. And Allison Rothman in sweet, sweet California. Say hello. Hello. Today we're talking about something important, which is the future of the show, of our lives, of, of everything. Uh, this show turned into an attempt to conquer current events, and I think the people who listen to this know that our schedule has not always been easy to stay on top of those, talk about the current hot topic issue of the week. And instead, we had an epiphany over a, a call about something unrelated, where we realized that there's so many important moments in law that people think they know about or don't know about, that we are burdened with the responsibility to go back in time and walk you through it so you can go back to your Thanksgiving dinner and truly know the magic. And really, it's crazy because we can stay on top of popular events this way because popular events are all founded on these laws. It's so important and you don't even know why. <laughs> yes. Also, and to Austin, we're just way too funny to restrict our funny to current stuff. And, and, and jokes aside, we, we really want these episodes to be evergreen, which is, you know, basically that means you can listen to these episodes at any point, know what we're talking about, take something away from pine needles and, and, and entertain yourself with pine needles. Yeah, perfect. They don't die. Uh, thanks, guys. Immortal <laughs> pine needles. Right. And you can take shelter under them in like a really, really bad snow. Yeah. And, and I think that uh, Santa... Yes, yes, Santa. I think you're on the right track. Perfect. Yes. Speaking of Santa Claus, the epitome of consumerism and capitalism in the world, can you think of anything more capitalistic and, and American pride and just what the world needs right now more than McDonald's? Burger King. No, McDonald's. Wait, Lego. Lego? Lego, Lego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Besides Lego, uh, McDonald's is the most American thing for sure. Agreed. So, it's also everywhere, just like American culture. I mean, just like uh, Santa. Yeah. yeah. Also, also everywhere. He is I'm omnipresent. pretty sure he makes his way around the whole world, including my house. Do you know, <laughs> you're Jewish, Allie. Santa doesn't like you. And do you know that? that <laughs> do you know that? We all no are. Two, no two countries with then a McDonald's. Who's that creep who comes into my house every Christmas? <laughs> with a big that's, beard. Oh, no. That's. that's <laughs> That's uh, Hobo Hanukkah Harry. He calls himself Santa. My, my dad, my dad was was Catholic, and my mother is Jewish, and I was raised Jewish. But we did celebrate. Why do you Christmas. say was as if he's gone? Well, because he, he, he's been in and out of jail, and God knows what he worships now. Uh, but, but my uh, but my my dad, when I was younger, he used to feel bad that we were celebrating Christmas, but like I didn't really have Santa since I was Jewish. So he came up with Hobo Hanukkah Harry, and he told me no, he, he lived didn't. in the trash. I swear to God, Hanukkah no, Harry is a thing. But my dad told me Hobo Hanukkah Harry lived in the trash can outside, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, the one who found gefilte fish and things. 
and it was amazing. Uh, how? How? No. Yeah, okay. I thought it was we weird that my Jewish dad dressed like Santa. I thought it was okay. weird that we celebrated Kwanzaa because my mom liked to celebrate every well, uh, every yeah, holiday. It's a little. Yeah. Weird. Once again, Austin's mom wins. That you, you are the weirdest <laughs> one. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, let I, I there really is nothing more. Uh, there is no case out there. There is no bit of law that is used as a joke more that people reference more to say what's wrong with the legal system, but also no case that people understand less than the hot coffee McDonald's case. Oh, the dumbest case ever to ever come down in the history of law. Yeah, I can't believe a lady got so much money just for burning herself with coffee. And jokes aside, like, that's what people think. How dare this woman sue? Millions of dollars because she spilled coffee on herself? What an idiot. However, when you take two seconds and and look at the reality here, (laughs) it's not bad at all. This is a very simple case with very simple damages and very simple everything else. Well, if it's so simple, Ryan, then why all the misconceptions? Because it's it's, it's just stupid. Wow, even Allie thinks it's stupid. It's, It's just sheer stupidity. I mean, let's talk about it. Let's, like, talk about what actually happened here. Liebig versus McDonald's restaurants, also known as the McDonald's coffee case or the hot coffee lawsuit, happened in 1994, and it was a product liability lawsuit. We've discussed product liability on the show before, but product liability is the the area of law under tort law, T-O-R-T, tort law, that most attorneys, uh, if you look at what you would call an ambulance chaser attorney, or if you look at uh, an attorney that goes after you know, the billion dollar companies for uh, for any reason they can find, it's normally going to be under either personal injury or product liability. Product liability basically says your product you served me was defective in some way, it caused harm, and I'm angry about it. Product liability is a complicated area of law that's not so complicated. However, there's a there's various ways to bring a product liability case. You can say there's a manufacturing defect, which means this product you make uh, is normally fine. However, something went wrong in manufacturing. It, it caused an error, and now it's caused me harm as a consumer, and you have to take care of me for that. Right. There's I was also, driving my dune buggy around, and the wheel broke off, and it was brand new, and I smashed my face into, I don't know, some sand. Yeah, and that's not, you know, that's that's a perfect Austin example, not necessarily the best <laughs> legal example, but it's it's not wrong if it was manufactured improperly, that one car... There was a stripped bolt or something. Dune yeah, buggy. They what used a- plastic for the for the uh, the spoke. <laughs> yeah, that's Axel. it. We we changed Axel. it to dune buggy and we're no, not perfect now. Austin. Not uh, now. So not now, right? <laughs> uh, so the, the other thing. So that's manufacturing de- defect. The thing's fine, but one was made poorly. Now I'm hurt. There's design defect. Design defect basically says this whole product is dangerous. You designed a, a face shaving rotating spinner blade that cut off ninety thousand people's noses. <laughs> This is designed improperly. That is not okay. Or you made the breakfast machine that requires 30 steps in order to make eggs. It starts with you pouring water into a glass. Uh, Like, what was it, Pee Wee Herman? And, uh, oh, and 30,000 people buy it, and it ends up just setting their kitchen on fire. Exactly. It's just exactly like that. It's the corn baller, if you ever watched it. The Goldberg machine. It's the corn baller from Arrested Development. Everyone who buys that thing burns themselves. It's the crux of the show. It's it's funny. Uh, and then and then the last one is failure to warn, which means you didn't have a warning label on this. You did not say this coffee, for example, was a billion degrees. You should. That's just not it. This is not reasonable expectation. When I bought this, I expected hot coffee. Sure. I didn't expect coffee that can cause first degree burns. So that's that's a, a fair thing. And a failure to warn is another thing. Now, 
The other thing here is negligence. Serving someone coffee that can cause first degree burns is potentially negligence. And we'll get into the facts of the case, but Ali, what is negligence? Everyone knows that word. Everyone has heard that in terms of a lawsuit, but what's the actual legalese behind it? So negligence is is kind of like the overarching concept, the biggest concept in tort law that all of this stuff, you know, to some extent falls under. It's you know, you did something and you didn't do it reasonably, so I'm going to sue you. And essentially, there's four factors that the court takes into consideration in any negligence case, which is duty, breach, causation, and damages, which is the part that everybody always forgets about when they just want to go sue somebody. And also, this is something that if you if you know someone in law school who's finished their first semester, if you ask them the causes of negligence, they'll all know it. This is for the some reason- factors of negligence. Sorry. Yeah. This is, for, this is the first thing ingrained into a law student's brain. Duty, breach, causation, damages. That That is- absolutely drilled into people. Uh, and and what's really interesting is the the what those factors actually mean. The first factor, duty. The court's going to look at whether or not, take the McDonald's example, whether McDonald's owed a duty to their customer. It's a legal determination. The court's going to figure it out. We'll go from there. And every restaurant owes a duty to their customer, right? Like to not hurt them. <laughs> you're like entering this premises to well, you're entering this premises to get goods and/or services. Any retail store owes you a duty. Yeah, generally speaking, when you invite somebody on your property, you owe them a duty. The next factor is going to be breach. Did you breach that duty? Did you do something to violate that duty? The next factor, causation, means even if you did breach your duty, did it actually cause the harm that the person's complaining of, or was it just incidental? So just because like a box falls from a t- from a tall shelf in a retail place, if it didn't hurt the person, then there's no damage. You're talking almost almost about something called res ipsa loquitur, <laughs> and we're not going to get into that because that'll be a Another whole episode. First year law school concept. But, but you really did stumble upon one of the most interesting uh, negligence it cases. It means this thing speaks for itself in Latin. Right. Like you, this thing fell on me. I can't prove it's because of your negligence, but how else could it have but happened? Right. It is so egregious that it had to have been negligence. So there you go, Austin. Go to law school. But all right, mm-hmm. Allie, continue on. But yeah, I mean, if you're on somebody's property, you're invited on, something happens to you because of, you know, no fault of of the person who invited you, there's no causation. Um, a lot of times you'll hear but for, it's one part of the analysis, this thing happened or wouldn't have happened, but for something that I did. So that's what the court's going to look at. And then the last one, damages, again, the one that most people just completely disregard is, again, even if numbers one, two, and three happened, number four does also. Everyone driving right now, you're okay. Uh, yeah. Those, those sirens are behind Allie. <laughs> <laughs> They're but coming some- for me. <laughs> hey Ryan, what's Please a Please come get me. Please get me. Take me away. Uh yeah. So so and then lastly, uh, so we can cut out the sirens behind Alley is damages, I'm- which is the missing factor from many claims. You actually suffered damages. You have here medical bills or other things. It's caused yeah, you You actually got hurt. Like right. there's there's a real actual harm that was caused, not just like you did this to me and I'm really sad about it. Or that was really Wouldn't messed that be up. Psychological harm? Potentially, yeah, but you can't just say like, "Oh, that was messed up of you. You owe me money now." If not, right. if you weren't actually damaged. Mm-hmm. And, and jokes aside, Austin, we get that nonstop in our in our inbox. Hey, this happened, and I'm upset about it. I want to sue. 
okay, how did it negatively affect you? Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> literally my mom, my mom, we're in Vegas one weekend. She's in the casino. She stupidly trips down the stairs. Oh. says, Oh, I'm going to sue Caesars because I couldn't see the stairs. And I'm like, ma, you're fine. Like nothing happened to you. Like that sucks that you fell, but nothing's wrong with you. And that's when she goes and takes a fall down some higher stairs at Caesars. You should want to bet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go into the facts of the case. Here we are. 1992, February 27th. Stella Liebeck, a 79-year-old woman from Albuquerque, New Mexico, spends a lovely morning with her grandson. The grandson driving. Stella in the passenger seat. They decide... Let's celebrate this beautiful, lovely day in New Mexico by going and getting a beautiful cup of coffee from McDonald's. Now, even for 1992, McDonald's very reasonable prices made this coffee only a 49 cent purchase, less than half a dollar, which would turn into $2.86 million in damages. Stella ordered a coffee. The coffee was handed to her. Moments later, whoopsie daisy, grandma grandma'd, and the coffee's all over herself. Now, I misspoke earlier. The burns were actually third-degree burns, which I don't know if that's worse or better than first because I've been blessed and not been burned. Oh, that's worse? It's worse. Yeah, third-degree burns are – I think they're the worst. I don't think that they're Wow, the I'm really embarrassed burn. about that, and what a blessed life that I don't know. But I know anyway, because I gave myself second-degree burns with oil. Fair enough. Ow. So she got third-degree burns, the worst kind of burn, according to medical research expert Austin Hoffman. Yes. And, and jokes aside, coffee shouldn't do that. Coffee should not be ripping your skin off and melting it as soon as it makes contact with you. This happened through her sweatpants, mind you. It didn't fall directly onto her skin. Oh, my goodness. There was an intermediary that was protecting her, and still she got third-degree burns. That's insane. It seared through the sweatpants and leaked onto her poor skin. And you could just imagine the pain and the terror. There's nothing you can do. Oh, man, I'm going to stop talking about this. It's terrifying. And, and, and jokes aside, I mean, that sucks. So Liebig was taken <laughs> to the hospital where it was immediately determined she suffered third degree burns on 6% of her skin. That's a big chunk of skin and lesser burns over 16% of her skin. So this is her legs, her buttocks for uh, the medical terms and groin. She's covered, in, yeah, she's covered in really scalding coffee in areas you don't want to be burning. Uh, not that you want to be burning anywhere. Yeah. But if I had to list all my body parts, it's probably the last two that I would put on the list. Uh, She remained in the hospital for eight days while she had to undergo skin grafting surgery. This was not someone who, yeah, the coffee was a little hot and it hurt my thumb. This is someone who had to have skin grafting surgery at 79 years old to have her body replaced. Grafting surgery or is grafting the verb? I think you skin grafting surgery. <laughs> I think you graft. You graft something on you. You, you graft something onto something else. So yeah, that, skin grafting surgery is still the grafting is. You the were, verb. I'm, I'm not saying you either of you are wrong. <laughs> I got I got the degrees wrong. Uh, I, I defconned it because defcon one is the scare, the worst defcon, and yes. people say, "Oh my god, we're at defcon five now," and I'm like, "Oh thank god," <laughs> and they're like, "No, we're on fire." So so, so it's the same. It's the opposite with burns. Got it. So, like, this was a really crappy time for this woman, Stella. She's in the hospital for over a week. She's having trouble eating. Apparently, she lost, like, 20 pounds, um, which brought her down to, I guess they're say, 83 pounds. So, you know, most of pounds, weight, but this is a really big problem. Yeah, and 83 pounds, you're not a human anymore. You're, you're a skeleton. She's dying. Yeah, and and yeah, I mean, this is really, really bad. And then after she gets out of the hospital, she then has to be cared for by her daughter for 
for weeks. Yeah, just because you get out of the hospital doesn't mean that you're okay to take care of yourself, especially if you're that old. Really hammer that home. She's in the hospital a week, then leaves. She needs personal full-time nursing for three weeks, which was provided by her daughter. So fine, the costs aren't necessarily there. But that's full-time caregiving. That's terrible. Yeah. And, and then she also suffered permanent disfigurement and was partially disabled for two years at 79 years old. So anyone who knew those facts would feel bad for her. This is a sad story. This is something about that it. could you imagine the location of those burns trying to walk afterwards? I think the I think the general perception of this when it happened was was basically like, oh, she burned herself with coffee and then she yeah, she won millions of dollars. And that oh. was it. Like, like you didn't think about nobody. Nobody knew or read or realized how bad the situation was, what the yeah. consequences were. Well, I'll I take certainly it as, didn't. I, and neither did I until I went to law school and, and learned about this. And even in law school, they don't really go over it. But I, I will say that this is this is proof of concept of what works with lawsuits, which is public perception and marketing. You know, the McDonald's battle planned here. They said, all right, this 79 year old woman, we're not going to settle with her because it's going to set a bad precedent that we have to settle anytime somebody touches our coffee. And instead of that, McDonald's went out and started a campaign against this woman. How frivolous is this lawsuit? How bad is the American legal system? We poor McDonald's are getting taken advantage of by this lunatic. And ABC literally called this the poster child of excessive lawsuits at the time. But think about it. I mean, like, it's exactly what you just said. This was strategic on McDonald's part. When this first started, she tried to settle with them for $20,000. So this wasn't a financial decision. $20,000 to make this go away for McDonald's is nothing. All she wanted, she was actually so upfront that she said, my daughter's taking care of me. I don't need the money for that. I spent $10,500 so far on medical bills. I expect to spend another 10-ish thousand. So if you can give me 20,000 and cover that, that's all I want. I don't want to make money here. I just want to be taken care of on my medical bills and we can call it a day. And instead, McDonald's said, screw you, old lady. We're taking Double you down. Yeah. You got a problem? <laughs> See you in court. McDonald's made a counteroffer. Austin, guess how much? This woman has $10,500 in legal bills, uh, medical bills. She's expecting another $10,000 based on real numbers. How much did McDonald's offer her? $0.49, cents, the cost of the coffee. $800. Oh. The billion-dollar company McDonald's. <laughs> That's a lot of coffee. Here's $800. Go away. You just want here, – here's a gift card, basically. Uh, <laughs> McDonald's refused to raise We'll give offer. you a Big Mac. And in comes Reed Morgan, super attorney, willing to stand up for this old woman and hopefully get 35% of a billion dollars. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) As with all contingency attorneys, which I only assume he's contingency because most, most attorneys who work like this are contingency, meaning they will take any client they think has a legitimate case. They take 20 to 35% normally. I've seen attorneys take up to 50%, but I consider that criminal. I think it is criminal. Uh, but regardless, they take 20 to 35% on average of whatever they win. So yeah, you don't those... pay for it. They just take a cut of what you collect. Right. It's all those commercials. No money unless we win. Blah, blah, blah. That That is kind of true. But what they don't say is you do have to pay for the court costs and everything else. Uh, oftentimes. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's oftentimes. It's not always. Uh, but it's something to consider and think about if you ever do uh, want to sue McDonald's. But anyway, Reed Morgan walks in. Morgan I know very little about Morgan other than he was clearly outmatched in terms of PR. He he had what should have been a home run here. If if I was the attorney here, the first thing we would do is sit down and make this a a 
how, what is the news going to say about this? What is what is the public going to say about this? And try to get ahead of that because that's what's important in these cases. Unfortunately, the American legal system cares little about the law oftentimes and more about the theater of litigation. Here we have an old woman burned alive, surgery taken advantage of, and McDonald's offering her the equivalent of a new pair of shoes. So but why is public perception more important than what's going on in the courtroom? Because almost everything settles. And the way to settle is have a bunch of outraged people saying McDonald's is evil. They don't want that. They'd much rather give her the $20,000 she wants. However, McDonald's also, to be fair, as we rep many corporations as well, corporations are not necessarily evil. They have to take it seriously, too. They can't just go around settling everywhere or everyone sues them to settle and get a quick check. So I don't understand the analysis on McDonald's part here that looked at this and said, oh, you have $11,000 in medical bills. Here's $800. Seems very foolish to me. But they instead spent that money on marketing. They went out and said, this woman's crazy. We're getting taken advantage of. Isn't she the worst? And society said, yep, she sure is. Yeah, I mean, it's what you just said, Austin. It, like, everybody thought this was just some crazy lady who burnt her tongue on some coffee and decided yeah, that to was the McDonald's. Story. Yeah, and that was intentional, I'm sure. And, and Reed argued two things, which we discussed earlier. He said they were grossly negligent for selling coffee that was unreasonably dangerous at that temperature. Now, I don't know what temperature coffee is supposed to be at. But this coffee was 190 degrees Fahrenheit. That is, for our European listeners, 88 degrees Celsius, which I just did the math of and I didn't use a program. Yep, that's fascinating. <laughs> Incredibly uh, impressive. But but seriously, I mean, that that is, it, you've been in a hot tub. A hot tub's very hot at 115 degrees. Now, this was 190 degree coffee. Water boils at 212 degrees. That is so close to boiling that I, I can't fathom how that hot is this really was. hot. Yes. <laughs> That's really hot. This is, you know, a wash pot never coffee needs to be. Yeah, you know, a I wash mean, pot like, never like boils. Like a hot tub, I want to say a hot tub is traditionally like a, around a hundred, maybe up to one fifteen, one ten, I think. Yeah, like, that's that's right. Yeah, really hot. Yeah, it's it's insane, and and. And uh, there's no excuse here. So that this this argument of grossly negligent for serving coffee that's so hot makes sense to me. Uh, that that's that sits with me. I don't think that's you get a cup of coffee plan. and there's it's boiling. Right. Here's your <laughs> boiling coffee, idiot. Try not to spill it on your lap or you'll die. Uh, <laughs> the other thing he argued was defectively manufactured, meaning you're selling something that is just under boiling and you did not put a warning label on the cup. You did not tell anybody. And also, why are you doing it? That is a <laughs> manufactured. That is a good. Like, yeah. Why is it so hot? Like how? I honestly want to know. Like, how does your coffee machine even get the coffee that hot? Yeah, because it's you need an industrial coffee enough. machine. Well, because it's who knows? It's this is 1992 in Albuquerque. This could have just been maybe their coffee machine was down, so they're literally boiling water and putting some coffee <laughs> in it. Who knows? Uh, but regardless, McDonald's refused Mark Morgan's offer to settle at ninety thousand dollars. So Reed came in and said. You know what? You screwed up with the eight hundred dollar counter offer. We were willing to take twenty. Now we want ninety for all the, the the nonsense we've gone through. They said absolutely not. So Morgan said, "Cool." Then we want three hundred thousand. They said absolutely not. <laughs> a mediator came in. They went to a mediator, which is which will go into a full episode on the on the mediation process. But mediation is basically sped up court. Well, we should go back for a minute. You know, we say, "Why were they doing this? This is ridiculous." They actually had an answer for that. They were doing this because they think that their customers who are getting coffee through the drive-thru want their coffee to be so much extra hot so that it lasts longer on their 
long distance drive. Oh, so you get your coffee at 9.30, you get to work at 10 o'clock, and your coffee is, at that point, still too hot to drink. But you know, you, it, it'll be it'll be ready soon. That that is seriously their argument, and I, and yeah. I, I again, to be fair to both sides, you're like I understand that too. If McDonald's in 1992, their their belief of their business was here, everybody have your coffee. By the time you get to work, it'll be a temperature you should drink it at. Uh, okay, fine. That's proven to be ridiculous. I'm sure they don't sell coffee at 190 degrees anymore. But wait uh, till they get to work to drink the coffee. Yeah, and I and I think a mediator agreed because the mediator came in, which again is not litigation. Immediate going to mediation is litigation light. It's sped up. You're going to not a judge. You're going to a mediator and saying, "Here's our arguments. Here's their arguments. Uh, what do you suggest?" It is sometimes binding. It's sometimes not. Here it was not. They they did this as a pre-trial move. The mediator suggested a settlement amount of two hundred and twenty-five thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, a lot. Honestly, a lot of times a judge will force the parties to go to mediation if they think it's ridiculous. So oh. I have no doubt the judge thought this was ridiculous and said, "Go talk to a mediator before I have to deal with this." And, and who knows if the judge thought this woman was being ridiculous for the lawsuit or thought McDonald's was being ridiculous? Yeah, to for so many reasons. To offer eight hundred dollars, it's all ridiculous. So I agree. So, so yeah, the, but the mediator. Uh, $225,000, almost a quarter million. That was what he suggested as the settlement amount. McDonald said, no, 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 we're going to court. <laughs> so now we get to trial here. And now we get into the like the real nitty gritty of all of these facts. I'm sure there were experts involved testifying as to what the temperature what, of the what, what does that mean, be? Allie? Yeah, so, but really, what is an expert? What, is, what does that look like, that process? Finding an expert, using them, et cetera. I, you're the litigator here. What, what is that process? Yeah, believe it or not, there's experts in everything out there. So any type of case you have, when it comes down to these these little, you know, the little details, the court's going to want to hear from somebody who really has experience and not just take your word for it. So it, there's Austin, people- Austin, what would you be an expert in? <laughs> d and <laughs> sure, or fantasy novels, or maybe writing. But yeah, nah, not writing. How do you become an expert? Do you have to be certified in something? Yeah, there's no actual certification, but you're typically super highly qualified due to your experience. So you you know present to the court your expert. You say, hey, this person, if it's a personal injury case, for example, this guy has been practicing this specific type of medicine for so many years that he would know of all people, he would know best what's most reasonable to do here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an expert of the Taco Bell menu. Yes. Right. Or they got a coffee expert. They got a coffee expert. And I don't know. If they got, I don't know if they got a coffee <laughs> expert, but I'm sure they talked to a lot of people about what's a reasonable temperature, temperature for coffee to, at. Serve, to serve coffee at. So it's not going to burn off your skin. Right. In this one, Morgan, argued to the court that coffee should never be served hotter than 140 degrees. Ever. Which means if if Morgan is the attorney for the plaintiff here and he's arguing that, it's probably true coffee should never be served over 150 degrees. But 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 uh, so, it's but, a negotiation, yes. Well, well, it's more yeah. just like you advocate as hard as you can, but 190 I think all are nowhere ridiculous is ridiculous. But he but he went to other establishments and found out oh. what the temperature of their coffee was. And found that these other places were serving their coffee at a substantially lower temperature. Oh, okay. So only McDonald's wants to cater to the commuter. They this care about the This is the stuff commuter. you do when you're litigating to show that the other side is so dead wrong and unreasonable. And what's wow. super interesting is what he found. Uh, and I don't know if you saw this, Allie, but basically he said, 
at 190 degrees, which just was served, third degree burns happen in only three seconds. Meaning you spill it, you have third degree burns. Yep. You can't and that's it up. the type of stuff that the expert comes in to say. You know, the expert's not going to say, you know, every single eating establishment serves coffee at this temperature. But they, what they are going to say, you're going to have a doctor who can speak to what happens when liquid that hot touches your skin. What happens when you get yeah. these types of burns? What, you know, what's the long-term effects of this? All of that type of stuff. And listen, the, the, the reality is, uh, and what he also found is if you lower that temperature to 160 degrees, it takes 30 seconds for those same burns to happen. Meaning you can fix it, clean it, repair it before you suffer the the need for skin grafting surgery, as we have all agreed is the proper term. Right. <laughs> and yeah, so interesting too, is that during the course of this trial, they also uncovered that more than 700 additional reports of people being burned by McDonald's coffee had occurred within the 10 year period of 1982 to 1992 when this happened. I wonder if those people sued, or do you think they saw this case and they're like, oh man, thank God I didn't sue. That woman's life is ruined. I mean, it sounds like a lot of them settled. Um, This happened before this case. So they were probably actually watching this lawsuit saying, oh shit, I should have actually sued them too. I took the free coffee or I I took the coupon for the I took my 800 bucks and she's here. Yeah. So what I love is McDonald's argument was that's not enough, Allie. 700? Eh. That's not enough for us to change our policies. Their product manager their, or their quality control manager, Christopher Appleton, whose other job is a uh, complete asshole, testified that <laughs> the number of injuries was insufficient to cause the company to even evaluate its practices, not make a change. He's saying not enough people have been hurt to even look at it. Wow. So I, I wonder what the number for him was. Is, does it have to be like 10,000 people have to be maimed by our coffee in order to us, you know, say, hey, maybe we shouldn't make it so hot. Or is it hundreds of thousands of people? What's the where's the line there, Mr. Appleton? I mean, this guy clearly just did not give a crap about it. I mean, because he also said, basically, there's a lot of food we serve hot. And yeah, it can cause burns. But we have a lot of other things to worry about than the temperature of our food. Over one billion served if we're just burning 700 of them. (laughs) Screw them. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That is that I can see the argument. It's like that is less than a percent of our customers. That's length. That's less than a tenth of a percent of our customers. It's fine. He said under oath on the stand, Appleton conceded that, yeah, this will absolutely burn you and your throat badly if you drink it. But we're not going to change it. No. <laughs> so but Mr. Appleton, what about what about people that get the coffee and then want to drink it? You fool. <laughs> McDonald's will tell you what you can do with the coffee and you must wait four hours to drink it. But we're not going to tell you that. If you want coffee that you can consume like a human, go to Burger King like some poor person. <laughs> That's right. Oh, the, their <laughs> McDonald's coffee is future-proofed. That would be the language used. It That's is right. It is proof for the future. You you don't have to worry about your coffee going cold right now because it's going to be hot for an hour. We have 49 cent coffee here. If you want that McDonald's trash 47 stuff, then yeah, you can drink that same day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the 12-person jury uh, heard this case. They reached its verdict. Um, 
They applied what's called comparative negligence. These concepts vary somewhat from state to state, but generally speaking, um, you know, they're going to look at how negligent was the was McDonald's versus how negligent was this lady because maybe they both did something wrong. Maybe this lady was stupid for spilling her coffee somewhat. Oh, um, so it's like when you get in a car accident and the insurance companies determine what the percentage was fault for yeah. the person. You know, that's, that's, exa- that, that's exactly that, it. And that was a great example, Austin. I can't. No, I. this is a moment. I've never. Hell yeah. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally what comparative negligence is. If this was 100% the other person's fault, here's the damages that you would get. However, you're 20% at fault too. You were I mean, served like, coffee. Yeah. Don't put it between your legs, Dumbo. Like, <laughs> and and it, again, it varies. So like some states will say, oh, if you're more if you're more negligent than the other person, you pay all of it. Um, but some other states do it, you know, according to the percentage of fault you are. Yeah. So you're 80% at fault, then you get 80% of the damages. What's interesting is some states, if you're 20% not at fault, meaning you're 80% at fault, some states will say if you're under, if you were over half at fault, you can't collect anything. Uh, so after making that determination, they looked at McDonald's. They said, McDonald's, you're 80% wrong here. But Stella, you're 20% wrong here. So from there, they went, they awarded her $200,000 in compensatory damages, which was then reduced by the 20% that mm-hmm. they found her at fault. So 160 grand is what she got in compensatory damages. She okay. wanted tw- she wanted yeah. 20 grand. They offered her, they, 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 the jury said, nope, you get 160 for the, the for those damages. Yeah. Okay. I mean, she got a win there for sure. And then on top of that, and this is, the amazing part on top of that this is the america part but continue (laughs) this is yeah they and so on top of the 160 grand again reduced from 200 grand because of her fault they also awarded her 2.7 million in punitive damages two and what is 2.7 million dollars just to rub mcdonald's nose in it Oh, 160,000 is the actual damages saying here's the actual stuff suffered. Punitive damages are super rare, but they're they're literally the jury or judge saying shame on you, defendant. You shouldn't have done this. You're you're extra bad today. And as a result, we're going to charge you. We're going to demand more money from you. So because McDonald's was being so ridiculous with the case, they they took way more money from them. Uh, I mean, it's literally just a form of punishment. Yeah, it's it's uh, I appreciate you acting confused to try to walk the audience through this conversation more, but it's not confusing. Yes, it's punishment. <laughs> <money>. <laughs> uh, and, and a little behind the looking glass, like, yeah, that's Austin's role here is to, to feign ignorance on things he already knows to continue the conversation. Sometimes it's not feigned. No, I will yeah, for sure. No, but, but this were, one is this is a straight up punishment. And the way they came to this number is they looked at. Uh, McDonald's coffee revenues for a period of two days, which they figured were about $1.35 million per day. Company-wide. So they said, yeah, that 49-cent comp you sold her, well, we know you sell $1.5 million a day. We're going to double that. Bam, that's the damages. The judge said, God, I hate the juror system. God, I hate that these 12 (laughs) idiots get to come in here and make decisions. Who are these people? That guy was just homeless two hours ago, and now he's a juror deciding millions of dollars of damages. So I'm going to use my powers as a judge, fix the legal system, and reduce this to something a little more reasonable. And the judge reduced the punitive damages to $480,000, three times the the actual damages here, for a total of $640,000. Now, again... The headlines, the 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 ads against this woman. 
the news stories, all they said was this woman was awarded $2.7 million. Yeah. She wasn't. She was awarded $640,000. Still a lot of money. However, for what she went through, I I would not burn my genitals for $640,000. No, no, I wouldn't do that either. (laughs) (laughs) But you had to think about it. 2.7. 2.7, I would would burn anything. Now, the decision was appealed by actually both parties, but both parties settled out of court for an undisclosed amount less than $600,000. So she pushed, they pushed, they both said that this case was ridiculous. I want more. They want less. And then unfortunately, she wound up getting even less than the number disclosed. We don't know how much that is. It is NDA to death. Honestly, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if it was back down to the original 225 that the mediator recommended. This woman had nothing and I'm sure just wanted this out of her life. Litigation is the worst thing to do. And for a handicapped 82-year-old woman to continue an appeals process against a mega corporation, arguably one of the biggest corporations on earth, I can't imagine that nightmare. So I, 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 my heart really goes out to this woman and her family. I mean, but think about it. Now you see those big warnings on the side of McDonald's coffee saying, you know, Caution, hot coffee. Honestly, I'm happy they're there. I'm also happy that the ca- that there's cautions on cigarette boxes that say don't smoke this or you'll get cancer. So in short, don't drink hot coffee if it's too hot and make sure that there's a warning label on it. Yeah, HBO did a, a really interesting documentary on this too, which uh, t- for to research this episode, none of us watched. Uh, it's called Hot Coffee <laughs> Documentary. <laughs> and, uh, it came out in 2011, 10 years after all this happened or, or less than that. But I, I definitely recommend giving it a look. Because I really do think this is an interesting story. I think this is the crux of uh, people looking at headlines, not reading the article, blaming a woman for being ridiculous, when in reality, she was trying to just get her medical bills covered. McDonald's fought her on that. So she said, and her attorney said, you know what? All right, then we're going to go for more. I, I think that's reasonable. I can only hope that she got an amount that made at least her life a little bit easier, even though it was less than 600 and unfortunately, she died at the at the age of ninety one. Um, well, not unfortunately. I mean, that's a good age. She had a she had a long life after this incident. She, she probably had a, she had a decent life after this incident. Although, according to her daughter, it, it did take a toll. Uh, not only the burns, but like you said, the the actual court proceedings and the litigation. It's it's a lot for an old lady. Probably the entire world's calling her an asshole too, saying how dare you make this lawsuit? Yeah. Uh, At least so, the internet wasn't a thing yet. Well, many people don't leave a legacy. She left a legacy of shaming our entire legal system. So congratulations. <laughs> uh, but she really, left I mean, mark. Yeah, and, and listen, it's important that that the world knows the reality here. And that's a lot of what we're going to be doing here, looking at cases like this, but also looking at cases that just you've heard of, uh, that everyone has heard the names of, that you might not know actually what the case was about. That's the future of this show. It's going to be a good one. Follow me on Twitter at Morrison. Follow Allie at Allie Rothman. Follow Austin at Robot Austin. Robot Austin. And follow the show at Robot underscore Congress. Robot underscore Congress. This is the <laughs> outro song, but not the actual outro song. Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>